Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Martha Jo Atkins. Dr. Martha Jo Atkins is a deaf educator, licensed professional counselor, master coach and author. She teaches about dying and grief with gentleness and humor. Dr. Atkins research interest involves deathbed phenomena, those experiences that occur at end of life yet are not explained by traditional science. She teaches about the signposts of dying to help people understand the dying process, lessen fear around what's happening and engage in the mystery. Martha Jo is the CEO of her own company where she offers in-person and online education and retreats to individuals and groups around the world. She lives happily in San Antonio, Texas with her partner, Suzette, and her boxer dog, Joe, mm-hmm. whose, uh, whose image graces her Facebook page many times. It's wonderful. So welcome, Martha Jo. It's so wonderful to have you here. I'm delighted to uh, be in this conversation with you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so glad to be here. My pleasure. So this work that you're doing, it's it's not the usual kind of um, coaching practice or counseling practice. What is it that drew you to have this business in particular? Um, I, I have, gosh, I have been, I have been interested in, uh, death and dying since my early 20s, since I went to college. Hmm. And it seems a weird, uh, a weird interest. Um, and maybe interest isn't the right word. It just, I was drawn to it. I was drawn to that kind of work. I, I worked at a children's hospital uh, as a child life specialist. Um, child life specialists offer developmental and psychosocial support for kids and families in the hospital. So uh, I worked in an intensive care unit and I worked on a neuroscience unit and ended up working a lot with kids who were dying and their siblings and their families. Mm, wow. and I, uh, yeah, it was, it was a tremendous work. Uh, I was 23 and 24 and 25 years old and, and I liked that there was no uh, BS involved because when, when somebody's sick and somebody's dying, people are real. They're the realest they can be. Right. And it was intimate really quickly, and it was powerful really quickly, and connections were made, and I, I thrive on that. So doing death and dying work, uh, I think, came as a result of needing those really deep and powerful connections with people. Hmm. And what is it that makes what you do unique and special because other people work with the dying there's a hospice 
kind of uh, setting that people can go to? How do you feel that what you're doing is, or do you feel that it's unique in some way? And if so, how? I think, I, I think, um, you know, Muhammad Ali had this quote about uh, there's rivers and ponds and oceans and they're all water. <laughs> and, and I like uh, thinking about there are all kinds of people who do death and dying work and grief work and death education in the world. And it's all water. It's all, we're all, um, you know, hoping to help people make the dying process and the grieving process um, easier, if that's possible. And um, the uniqueness in my job is around teaching specifically about the uh, some aspects of the dying process. So I'm really interested in this deathbed phenomenon work, the, the sights and sounds that the dying people experience and then how witnesses at the bedside make meaning of those. Mm-hmm. And that that is not a, a, a typical piece of the, the process. That's one little piece. And I think that's what makes my, my business unique is teaching about those things and giving people insight into what they're experiencing at the bedside when somebody's dying. Mm. That's your signposts of dying process. Is that right? right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Does it have a, a really strong personal element now? I know you've kind of gone through some some parts of this process yourself personally, and um, yeah, I know you've written about it. Is there are there personal elements that really inform this process for you? Yeah, sure. I uh, my mother died. It's been almost ten years in January, and she had deathbed visions, so she saw her parents and grandparents and some beloved uh, beloved family friends. And, and the night she was died, she was doing this reaching up towards the ceiling with this grimace on her face. And, and I knew about the vision pieces, but I didn't really understand about the reaching. And I would look at that and think, oh, she's got tumors on the left side, and that's making her right side reach and move and that's why she's doing this and Mm -hmm. I was looking for meaning as we do and and after after she died and after I got engaged in my research process for my um for my doctorate I learned about these phenomenon and that they've been happening for thousands of years and been documented since the 1500s and I just thought, gosh, why don't we talk about this? This is so cool. There can be there could be a whole other conversation happening, mm-hmm. and and give people insight and give people context. And maybe this process doesn't have to be. It, it can be. It can be different. Mm-hmm. So uh, I learned about all that, and and then my dad got sick, and I I watched him begin to move and I listened to him begin to use metaphors. Um, he talked about wanting to be unhinged, which is this, it's a, it's a common experience for dying people to want to, you know, they want to somehow get up and get out. They talk about wanting to go home, uh, wanting to be released, wanting to get out of here. And, mm-hmm. and before my eyes, I was seeing these behaviors and, uh, listening to this language and it was being embodied in my father. I was watching it happen in front of me and I, I watched it as a 
researcher and I watched it as a daughter back and forth and back and forth. Mm. He ultimately didn't die and he's good. And I'm going to go see him uh, this week for Thanksgiving. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's fabulous. That was about um, two and a half years ago, year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And, and that experience uh, allowed me to, to um, integrate these, uh, patterns in the research and the stories, and I could see all of the experiences in a different light. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I can't show up and say, this is what's going to happen when your person dies. But I can say, these are experiences that other people have had for many, 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 many years. And you may see some of these things. And uh, as the dying process unfolds, uh, this will be part of it. And I don't want you to be afraid of that. Mm. That's pretty gratifying. Yeah. Well, it's so powerful that you can not only bring your personal experience to the, to this, but it's powerful for the person who is, well, for both, for both of the person who's dying and the person who's uh, supporting them in, in some way. I, I think people, they rarely know, what to say. And this is an opportunity for them to have real conversations with their loved one. Yeah. Yeah. I I encourage people to ask questions if they see their person, you know, watching something under closed eyelids, or if they see the person with their eyes open, uh, looking around the room, or um, very often the dying person will, will look through the person standing in front of them. They're Mm -hmm. looking at something else. Mm -hmm. And to to just ask what what are your, what are you seeing right now? What are you experiencing right now? And sometimes they'll they'll say, and sometimes they won't. And the the thing I I like to tell people the most is to to meet your person where they are. So if they are in that space where they're seeing uh, entities or family members or whatever it is around the room, that's okay. That's your, their experience. It's real. And it's, it's not anything to be frightened about. Hmm. Well, that's great advice for the living and the dying. Meet your person where they are. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so to kind of delve a little bit into this topic of, of impact, what are the important ways that you, you impact the people that you work with? How do you feel that your impact shows up? I think it shows up in education. Um, I think it shows up in the storytelling and the giving people um, something to put push back on. So I, I love stories, and I talk about stories being medicine, and that we can we can take the stories of others and uh, push against them a little bit and see if they fit for us. Mm-hmm. So when I share stories of uh, people who are who are dying, who have had these deathbed phenomenal experiences, or people who are around the bedside who have watched their beloveds have those. Uh, uh, those those stories have power, and then people can take those and uh, plug them into situations they have in their life as they go along. So I, I have two instances in particular where I, I have talked so much about. Uh, language. When I when I teach, I talk about the language and the metaphors. Mm-hmm. And uh, a woman last week uh, let me know that her mother was using the language on the phone, and and the the family, the husband and wife, made a decision to go ahead and change plans and spend an entire week with the mother. Mm-hmm. 
because she said, I don't know that she's going to go. I don't know that she's going to die, but I don't want to miss an opportunity in case she does. Right. Uh, I, I, that's pretty gratifying. Yeah. That's a great, a great gift that you provide. It's, it's awesome. And another woman, uh, this woman who works with me, Rachel had this, the same kind of experience where her mother was talking about going home and, and felt like she was in two places at the same time. These are both really common experiences. And, uh, over the course of a month, decisions were made. The family chose not to medicalize this woman's ending and, and the woman, Rachel's mother died within a month, Mm -hmm. but it, it was the language that Rachel was able to pick up on and, and that made the difference for them about decisions that were made. They knew they knew what the mama wanted. Ultimately, she didn't want to have a feeding tube. She didn't want to go to the hospital. So they were able to carry out her wishes based on what they learned. Right. So, yeah, my impact my impact I think is is around education and and storytelling. Hmm. That's great. Do you feel like your work has an impact in the larger world beyond the families that you work with? I do. I think. I think for for any of us who do, um, you know, whatever work we do in the world, when we connect with people, uh, the connections turn into ripples. Mm-hmm. So the 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 information I gave to Rachel, Rachel then gave to her family, and her family gave to others, and it it ripples out. Yeah. That's often how I describe impact that I mean we can't in a way we can't help but have impact in what we do because it affects the person we're connecting with they affect that affects them as they are with other people and that's a wonderful way that you just described it yeah and I, I invite people at the end of presentations I say if if you, if you've learned something today that you didn't know and you think it would be helpful to somebody else go home and share it hmm. share it with them so you know, if they're in a hospital room someday and uh, they're watching something happen and some brain cell in the back of their mind gets tickled and they remember the story and go, oh, this is that thing that they were telling me about that time. <laughs> that That's awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, is is this impact that you have with the people you work with and the larger world, is that is that something that's important to you? Would you have started this business if you you didn't feel you were having some kind of impact? Um, no, I don't know that I would have. Or, okay, I have to think, I have to think about this a minute. Mm-hmm. Yes. I felt, I, I think I knew that this stuff had a, a significant enough impact on me and my family as we learn together that it could impact others. And as, as that has come true, that has emboldened my vision and emboldened my desire to uh, be out in the world more. Mm. Uh, I, I guess that's the best way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's true for many people when they recognize what kind of impact they're having, how they're affecting others. It just helps them be a little braver about what they put yeah. out there. Yeah, I think that's true. That's great. True. Did that desire to have impact to to be a part of this, creating this positive experience for people as they're moving through the experience of dying or, or watching a loved one die? Is that something that did it? 
evolve over time? And I guess I'm asking in more general terms too, not just specifically around this work, but have you always felt like your work is something that you wanted to have impact with, or is that something that's kind of evolved over time? Um, I, I think I came to the planet wanting to have impact. (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm, I'm, I started a, with the help of a bunch of people, started a children's bereavement center here in San Antonio in, in the late 90s. And I ran that for um, almost eight years. And that place, as I look at it now, I, I see it having far-reaching uh, help for, for children and families. And I'm not involved anymore, but I see, I see how... I see how committing to um, to be helpful in the ways I've chosen to be helpful uh, can 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 reach far and wide, and that's uh, I'm going to use that word gratifying again. I've used it three times now, and and it it, it is that it, it is gratifying and encouraging and. Um, and I have, I, I have had a deep desire to be impactful for as long as I can remember. Is it sort of part of what fil- fulfills you around your work? Is there a sense of fulfillment because of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could, I wish I could be very Zen and say, <laughs> I don't, I only want to do my work for my work and, uh, I don't need for it to be impactful and don't need for it to know, be out in the larger space. I just need to be creative and let it fly. But I, I do want it to be impactful. I do want it to help people Mm -hmm. because I believe in it. I, I believe, I believe in the, the information and the stories and the, the connections. And I believe they help people. And, uh, I believe if, if people can be less stressed and calmer around dying, that the whole process can be more meaningful and there can, can be a, a gentleness around that. And I think the world needs more gentleness right now. Yeah. I'm with you there. (laughs) I wrote recently in a blog post that haven't we all had, haven't we all been at the receiving end of enough harsh treatment that we can all use more gentleness. So I love that you said that. That's great. So this is uh, just to, kind of shift gears slightly but um something that i've i've asked people about um is what's important to you what are your values and how does that how is your business a reflection of that and the reason i'm asking is that i think that that impact and the impact that we choose to have is so strongly informed by what is important to us so could you speak to that a little bit about um how is your business a reflection of of you and your values and in what ways have you brought those into your business and it can be can be marketing can be how you work with your your team and with your with your clients any aspect so uh i have a a list of qualities I'm going to call them that I I want to embody as a person who uh, delivers my work to the world and uh, I went through a process with Fabeku uh, Fatunmis to help kind of delineate what those things were mm-hmm. and I sent my 
my my Rachel, who who does strategy and linear thinking for me, <laughs> and I sent <laughs> to him too. And and we have this list that is about how we how we want to be and who we are. And there are things like um, I, I want to meet people where they are. I I witness their experience. Um, I lead and guide and I facilitate opportunities for healing, um, discover and connect with new possibilities. And then uh, there's a whole other set for, for Rachel. And we have these lined out. And when we create um, marketing materials or when we, when I, when I was working on my book, we had those out. When I'm creating new products, we have those out and they uh, kind of act as a compass and help help keep us uh, in our lane. I guess that's the best way to say. So, so the there's certainly values I have around my business around um, uh, love and integrity and um, you know, providing um, you know quality content and and. Uh, research-based things. There's a, there's those kinds of things, but it's it's really these these core components of these um, these lists that that really guide us and lead us. Mm. Um, and they they help us when we get get come up against a barrier or an obstacle. We go back to our list. We go okay. Where what, what's what's missing here? Where are we not connecting? And uh, nine times out of ten, it's really easy to see, hmm. and it's it's good. It's really good. I love that you have gone through this process so consciously, and that you're doing it with one of your key team members. That she also has a list, and that you, and that you not only create the list, which is informative in and of itself, but really put it into action by. Okay, where where are we off track here? Or why is this not working? And then use that um, those qualities to return to as a way to recenter and reground around what's important to to you. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, we have them. They're, they are uh, framed and <laughs> have them on a little. We have a little altar in the office and on the altar, and then I have mine and Rachel's on my computer, and she has mine and hers on her computer. And, oh, that's excellent. Uh, and as we have more team members, and we, we will, uh, I, I will have them do the same process because it's, it's a language. It's a very yeah. specific language that we speak, and uh, as new people come on, I want them to speak the same language. Yeah, I, I think it, this is such a crucial part of the process. It's something I do with my clients. I call them pull priorities because I feel that they're things that pull you from the inside out into the world rather than something that's imposed on you or forced on you in some way or that you get pushed from behind to put into action. They're really something that comes from within you to pull you into action in a way that is really authentic and and aligned for you so that's yeah, great that's yeah. it yeah so in you mentioned your your book is is your book part of the impact that you want to have oh yeah yeah <laughs> it is i uh it's I, not it's not published yet right it's not published yet it will be out i'm self-publishing uh, I, I went back and forth with that and and my friends the, the people that i really trust with my my business and my life said you know 
the you want to get this out to help people, so get it out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so so that's uh, um, fingers and toes crossed. It will be out in December. That's the, oh, the end. Awesome. And and it is um, one of the one of the first friends I sent it to wrote me right back, and she said, I can see this being passed around from girlfriend to girlfriend as we take care of our parents oh. as our parents are dying. And I mm. I got this feeling in my chest, and it, it's that. If it's just it's a it's a little guidebook and uh if if it can have that kind of impact on my my people around me and my uh my communities and then beyond my communities that would be pretty fantastic yes it would and i'm <laughs> sure it will i mean i've had you know conversations with you and i've been, been fortunate to do that and i've also uh, read some of what you've written, so I'm. Uh, I, I think it's going to be really profound for people. So I look forward to to hearing how that experience goes for you. Thank you. Yeah. So in, in this process of having impact and and having a business, there's always. Um, challenges or obstacles or barriers that we run across and and those things can put a barrier in front of you and the impact between you and the impact that you want to have would you be willing to share about an experience that you've had in that in the as a challenge and how you were able to move through that sure um so uh i have um my brain goes all over the place which is good and bad and i i am a big picture thinker um for for myers briggs aficionados i'm an infp with the p at 30 i'm as i'm as as big picture think of all the possibilities as i can be (laughs) and and for someone who runs a business there has to be a point where the big picture mind maps turn into lists and the lists turn into getting things done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have had significant challenges with that. And and I finally, I had a, a, a really great coach for a while, Anna Kanicki. I don't think I said her last name right, but she talked to me about... Um, you know, doing we 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 who are big picture thinkers do that, and the the kind of chaos around the messiness around is part of that too. And we figure out how to corral a little bit of the messiness, and the other part of the corralling is really finding people to help get things done. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I mentioned this Rachel person before, and we we joke about her being my SOS. Uh, systems and operations savant <laughs> she can she can whip up a spreadsheet and uh, get things lined out and and she said to me early on when we started working together I don't want to be the one to hit you over the head to get things done mm-hmm. so I have had to have a an identity shift I've had to change the way I do some things mm. so that I can get things done I had to I had to believe that I am somebody who can get things done which um seems kind of I don't know what it seems it's it seemed silly to me for a while but it, but it's true I I I really had to think about uh who am I going to be as an entrepreneur as a as an entrepreneur that makes money and what what does that mean for me in my life and that means I I got a gym membership 
Um, that means I've got to take care of my body in a different way. I've got to get enough sleep at night, uh, less wine, um, <laughs> both kinds of wine, the whiny kind of wine and the wine wine, <laughs> and, um, and, and lists that are very short. I have, a, I have a single note card on my desk that has three things on it. And sometimes it only has one thing on it. And because I can get distracted, I can stare out the window, and then I got to come back to my one thing. And if I can get my one thing done, then I can go to the next thing. Right. And that has been, oh my God, it has been so challenging for me. And when I do it, and when I'm successful, and when I get something done, I can take off the list. I get so excited. <laughs> uh, so it's been a process of, of rinse and repeat. <laughs> so. Um, really stepping into the identity of somebody who can run a business and be an entrepreneur and um, and have an impact. All of those things together. That's that's been a challenge, and it's been a good one. It's been a it's been a really good growth edge for me. Yeah, I I love what you said about it being an identity shift from someone who is. I mean, you started off describing yourself as you know I'm a big picture thinker to kind of incorporating that part of yourself, which clearly is in you because you have been able to get a lot done, but really embracing that identity of, yeah, I'm somebody who gets stuff done. Yeah. And this tool that you're using, that has probably been one of the most powerful things for me too in, in getting things done, even, even if you're not just kind of more on the big picture side, it's really easy to get distracted. I mean, we're all, all of us entrepreneurs, we're always full of ideas. There's never a lack of things you could be doing. So uh, it's great what you said about just focusing in on one or two or three things, at, but absolutely no more for the day. And there's such a sense of completion and accomplishment around that. Yeah. And then other things begin to change. I mean, my, mm-hmm. my, my money history is I have money and then I don't have money. And mm-hmm. I have money and I don't have money. And that's an identity piece too. Mm-hmm. I to shift my identity to someone who has money all the time because I'm offering things that are useful and I'm getting things done and, uh, and uh, working with my list of of uh, frequencies, of energies, and and of facilitating opportunities, and discovering and connecting, and doing all those things that are the the compass for me, and I can do all those things together. Um, I, a year ago, two years ago, I wouldn't have told you that. I, I didn't. I don't think I thought I could do what I'm doing now and what we're about to embark upon. Mm. But it's it's been it's been an identity shift. It really has been. That's great. It just speaks to your willingness to grow into being the person you need to be in order to have the business that you want to have. Yeah. And have the impact that you want to have. Right. So, yeah. It's easy, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that whole mindset side of business is so crucially important. And uh, it's it's great to hear how you've really worked at Put and put your energy towards making these kinds of identity shifts and then putting that into action. That's really, uh, I, that's really inspiring for people to hear, I think. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Want to be inspiring. <laughs> well, you are. You are. <laughs> so what, uh, as we're uh, kind of 
coming to the end of our conversation, what what insights or advice would you share with another business owner who wants to have their own impact to be a positive influence in the world? What what would you share with them as a as something to leave them with? I think um, we 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 have a choice to move in fear or to move in love, and I think that's true with any business. However you serve, however you want to make an impact, you move with fear, you move with love. And I, you know, I choose to move with love and it has made all the difference for me. And, and I encourage people I work with to figure out what that means for them. And if, if, if they get in a place where they feel paralyzed or can't move, or I guess those are the same things, if they, they aren't sure what to do next, um, I, I invite them to go back to that simple thing or are they in a place of fear and then a place of love and what can they do to get themselves back to a place of love? Mm. And, and if, if they can, can figure out a, a list of qualities, um, like I, I was taught to do, I, that has made the hugest impact on my life. I can't tell you mm. the, the, the qualities that I want to embody as a, as a human, because this 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 is more than just just work qualities. This this is how I this is how I am in the world, and um, and when I get off track, I know I'm off track, and when I'm on track, I know I'm on track. <laughs> so I my vote my vote my vote for that question is it's fear love figuring out which place you're in and and how to move to more love. That is so powerful to hear, and I I think that the way you've distilled it down to that essential question is so perfect. It really, I mean, that's really the essence of how you want to approach, as you said, not just your business, but your life. It's a way of being in the world rather than just a persona that you adopt when you go into the office or, or go to your work. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Martha Joe, for everything that you've shared on this call. I, I think your work is incredibly profound and, um, it's I I see you definitely moving with love through the work that you're doing, and um, I think it'll be really inspiring for people to have have heard you talk about this and the and the challenges that you've had in doing that and bringing the work that you want to do, the impact you want to have to life. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank, I'm I'm honored to be here. I appreciate the work you're doing, and uh, your, your stories are medicine too. So so keep on telling them. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and if people want to get in touch with you and uh, maybe want to learn about your book when it comes out, what's the best way for them to to do that to reach you? Um, my website, uh, MarthaAtkins.com, with a T A T K I N S. Or if you have questions that I can answer. Uh, by email, I'd be glad to do that, and that's Martha at MarthaAtkins.com. I've got a personal Facebook page and a professional page. Um, Dr. Martha Joe Atkins is my professional page, and I can be reached there, too. That's wonderful. Thank you, Martha Joe. So to everyone listening, join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. And thank you to everyone listening for being here. And until next time, keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact.